Somewhere deep within, each of us desires an inner flow of peace and power that transforms our daily attitudes, relationships, and life decisions. Welcome to the Peace and Power Podcast, where we discover how the living Jesus offers the flow of that peace and power in our everyday experiences. With the Bible as our guide, here is Dr. Jim Coleman with today's Bible Talk. Recently, I was presented with a going-away present by the church congregation I have been serving. Of course, I wanted to open the gift in front of them so they could see my reaction and uh, receive my gratitude. I removed the bow and then the paper and lifted the lid, and I pulled out a frame which contained several photos of me and church members doing ministry together. It was a wonderful gift to remember the moments we shared in kingdom work. As I propped the frame up on a nearby table, someone sitting near me said, Look in the box again. There's more. Oh, I said. So I reached further into the box and pulled back more tissue paper, and there was a recipe notebook, including the favorite recipes of several of the members. Thanks so much, I said, and I held up the notebook to let everyone see it. Another person sitting on the front row said, There's another gift. Look again. Well, I had been handed a card, and in my uh, handling of the box, I had laid the box down on the card, and so I retrieved the card and opened it, and it was a wonderful uh, money gift and notes and signatures from the church members. Really, in that one present were three gifts. So I had to be told to keep looking there was more. I hope you believe in Christmas, that Jesus was God's gift of a Savior to this world, and you give presents because of God's present. But Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, after he writes his own gospel, would say to you and to me, there's still more. And Luke also gives the story of Jesus' dramatic resurrection after his crucifixion. And I hope you believe in the power of that resurrection and what it means for you. But Luke would say to you and to me, there's still more. In fact, let's read Luke's words from the first chapter of Acts. Acts chapter 1 and beginning at the first verse. In my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. During the forty days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, The Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they're not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, 
in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Well, Dr. Luke would tell us in this introduction of the book of Acts, there's still more. There's still more for you and I to experience of Jesus beyond Christmas, beyond even the amazing resurrection. So let's look at what Luke means as he begins this second part of his writing to God's people. First, he says there's still more of the Jesus story. Luke had already shared in his gospel the birth and the ministry and the resurrection of Jesus. And then he begins another book, this book of Acts. He follows up his gospel with more of the story. Notice his explanation of this in the very first verse. In my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach. And besides being a physician, Luke is a historian, and he wants to preserve a carefully investigated eyewitness account of the rest of the Jesus story and these dramatic days of the early church. Luke is letting us know that if we have read his gospel, we've really only read part of the story. As I'm preparing this talk, there is a writer's strike underway in the entertainment industry. And viewers are bracing, preparing themselves. For now, there won't be any more of the story for some of their favorite characters. Fans will be frustrated. But the very good news is that today there is still more of the Jesus story. In fact, Luke would say that beyond the end of this book of Acts, the story goes on. And you and I are a part of the Jesus story. There is, you see described here, a mysterious period between Jesus' resurrection and his ascension. During this 40-day period, Jesus would appear and disappear and reappear to his disciples and to others. Notice Luke's description of what Jesus did during this time. He says, Until the day he, Jesus, was taken up to heaven, after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Jesus is still their rabbi, still teaching the disciples, instructing them through the Holy Spirit. Even after graduating from seminary, I still listen to some of my professors uh, teach uh, online, and I uh, read their books. So I have experienced two periods of instruction. The first was face-to-face in the classroom, and now it is through audio or books. Jesus has had two periods of instruction as the greatest teacher or rabbi. One was during his earthly ministry, 
And even in this in-between time before his ascension, he is still teaching his disciples. But notice that even before his ascension, Jesus' instruction began to pivot to the teaching of the Holy Spirit. He gave, as Luke said, his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. And today you and I are still taught by Jesus through the person of the Holy Spirit. Jesus promised that this would happen. You know, there in the 14th chapter of John, beginning at verse 25, Jesus said, I am telling you these things now while I am still with you. But when the Father sends the Advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. The Spirit is the best teacher that you and I will ever have. And Luke reminds us here that Jesus' teaching, his instruction, is not over. Uh, The word disciple means learner or follower. And there is still more instruction for Jesus' learners, his followers, through the Holy Spirit. Now, in those special 40 days when Jesus appeared and disappeared and reappeared, he was giving still more proof that he had risen on Easter morning. This is what Luke describes in verse 3. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. There was plenty of physical proof at the garden tomb on that Easter morning that Jesus had come back to life. Highly professional Roman guards had confirmed his death. They secured the tomb. His dead body was never found. His followers who tried not to believe in the resurrection had to believe when they saw and they heard and they touched Jesus. Later, the Apostle Paul said that we should have no faith whatsoever in Jesus unless he truly was resurrected. But there is another form of proof of the resurrection. And in fact, the rest of the book of Acts focuses on that proof. It is the proof that Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, is still transforming people's lives. In Acts, we see that people are not only still taught truth by Jesus through the Holy Spirit, but some are still healed in Jesus' name, still set free from self-destructive life patterns, still transformed from selfish to selfless, from hate to love. This is not some kind of psychological technique or doctrinal brainwashing among the early Christians. This is a personal presence and power emanating from the risen Jesus. Their lives were proof that Jesus was alive. And I hope you know that your life is meant to be proof that Jesus is alive. There should be no other way to explain how you and I are the people we are except that Jesus is alive. Romans 8.11 describes this well where Paul writes, The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by this same Spirit living within you. 
This is why Luke records Jesus' instruction in verses 4 and 5 about the need for the Holy Spirit. He writes, Once when he, that is Jesus, was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now by baptized, Jesus meant that the Spirit would come and make his initial entrance within believers. And they cannot go out and be the church in the world until they have the Spirit's presence and power. I remember uh, when I went ocean fishing that I asked the captain as we left the coast and went out deeper into the water about the cost of fuel. And he said, well, fuel is more expensive than he would like, but whatever the cost, he said, I always leave the coast with a full tank. He didn't want to be stranded in open waters without the fuel power to get back. And if you and I think we can be Christians out in the deep waters of this world, without spiritual fuel, the power of the Holy Spirit, then we're going to find ourselves stranded. We're going to find ourselves trying to do God's work in our strength. And the work of God can only be done in the power of God. Down in verse 8, Jesus tells the disciples very clearly, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now they waited 50 days, and on Pentecost, the power of the Spirit, and the promise of Jesus came. Even though the Spirit is always with us and within us, today we still often have to wait for God's timing for empowerment. Wait until God is ready to empower us for something he's called us to do. There is a memory that I have of a concert that my wife and I were at. It was both instrumental and and vocal. And at times the female vocalist performed alone, and at times the male vocalist sang alone, and at times there was a cellist that played alone. But twice in the performance, all three joined together. And I noticed how carefully each of them counted their rests so they could come in at just the right moment. It was not a passive waiting. It was an active waiting. They were purposefully getting the timing right. God will give us the skill and power of the Holy Spirit to do what God calls us to do. But there are times we must actively wait for when God will move. There's still more waiting on the Holy Spirit. And then, after we've waited and received the power of the Spirit, then God will work through us to bring more of His kingdom into this world. This is what we pray in the Lord's Prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. The main theme of Jesus' preaching was the kingdom of God. Even Jesus did not fully bring the kingdom to earth during His ministry. And this confused the apostles, since they thought the Messiah would come and usher in the kingdom suddenly and forcefully, liberate Israel politically from Roman oppression. Listen to their question. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you 
to know. God the Father knows when the kingdom will fully come and all the nations on earth will come under the perfect rule of King Jesus. But until then, the kingdom slowly keeps coming. It keeps breaking into the dark world with shafts of light. Just a few nights ago, I was watching the TV weather forecast, and the meteorologist has said something familiar. He said, well, the day will start mostly cloudy and then turn partly cloudy, and then finally in the mid-afternoon it will clear off. Right now the kingdom of God is partly cloudy in this world. The light of God's power and presence often breaks through. breaks through the clouds of injustice, the clouds of faithlessness, and then there are sometimes when the clouds of history get dark and ominous, there is coming a day that the Creator will clear every cloud away. The full, brilliant light of God's kingdom will touch every inch of this universe. There's still more coming of the kingdom. And until that day the kingdom comes, like the first followers of Jesus, you and I will keep witnessing to others of the daily power of Jesus in our lives. Verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem and throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Luke didn't know where all those ends of the earth were when he recorded Jesus' words. He didn't know there would be witnesses in places called America didn't know that there would be people in faraway places who read his gospel and became witnesses to the ends of the earth. And there are many Christians in the world today who will never live, never visit where you are, and you will never visit them. Jesus only asked them to be faithful witnesses where they are, and for you to be a faithful witness where you are. But you will receive power, Jesus said, to be my witnesses. There's still witnessing to be done for Jesus. Now the final scene in this passage is the actual ascension of Jesus. Luke writes, after saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven. But someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Luke's opening words in Acts end with uh, this promise of Jesus' return, the second coming, the parousia, which is the Greek word for coming. Once in conversation with uh, the wife of a World War II vet, she told me that she and a friend had both married soldiers just before they left for the front lines. And both of their husbands promised they would return and their married lives would begin. Of course, both uh, women worried uh, that future might not come, but hope kept them confident. They lived in hope. She was with her friend the day the news came that her friend's husband had died in combat. In a single moment, she told me, she felt this great difference between them. She was the only one who had hope, hope that her husband would return.
Jesus has the absolute ability to keep his promise, that he will return. Nothing can prevent that promise from coming true someday. There's a great difference in whether you have that hope or you don't. Whether I live in that hope or I don't. Hope changes the way you and I live. It changes us, who we are. The Apostle Peter wrote this about those who don't believe in the second coming. He said in 2 Peter chapter 3, Most importantly, I want to remind you that in the last days scoffers will come, mocking the truth and following their own desires. They will say, What happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again? Did you notice that without hope, they followed their own desires rather than confidently living in faith? Yes, there is still hope for Jesus' certain return. Ruth Bell Graham, wife of the great evangelist Billy Graham, uh, once wrote this in a poem. Jesus is more than anyone told us and more than we can ever tell. You and I can experience that more, the still more. There's still more of Jesus' story. There's still more instruction in the truth. There's still more proof of the resurrection. There's still more waiting on and living in the Spirit's power. There's still more of the kingdom of God coming into this world. There's still more witnessing There's still more hope in Jesus' return. There's still more. Thank you for listening to the Peace and Power podcast, and we invite you to subscribe to hear the next upcoming Bible talk. Again, our website is peaceandpowerpodcast.com, and our prayer is that God's Word has brought you a greater sense of a supernatural flow of God's peace and power in your life.